Sermon 35 of The Sermons Upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For ye were sometime darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk ye as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit consisteth in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying what is acceptable to the Lord, and have not to do with the fruitless works of darkness, but rather even rebuke them. We know how hard a matter it is to reclaim men from evil custom when they be once enhardened unto it. For the mischief doth easily take root in us because we be inclined and almost wholly given to it of nature. But yet we be not so soon changed when we have continued a long time in doing evil. For it happeneth unto us as unto sick folks, whose diseases, having once gathered strength, do so stick to their bones as they can by no means be purged away. Now a great number of folk are given to naughtiness, and bear with themselves in many vices before they be called of God, and touched to the quick with repentance. Therefore we have need to practice the doctrine that St. Paul teacheth us here, that is to wit, to know that when we have held aloof from God and strayed from the way of salvation, we must not flatter ourselves in it nor make a buckler and excuse of it, because it is become an ordinary thing with us. For we must not pardon ourselves a whit the more for all that, but rather consider that God hath pitied us, and that his drawing of us from the evil wherein we were was to the end to change us, and to make his power and grace the better known by our life, in that it beareth witness that we be no more the men that we were before. That is the cause why St. Paul saith in this text, Ye were once darkness, but now hath God enlightened you as if he should say that we must not respect either what others do or what hath befallen in ourselves to hope to be justified and acquit of our faults by that means for when it hath once pleased god to reach us his hand and to show us such mercy as to adopt us for his children and to make us heirs of the heavenly life instead that we were forlorn cursed and damned afore that grace ought to prevail greatly in us to make us become new creatures and as for them among whom we live, if God give them the bridle and let them alone as men forsaken, let us understand that it was his will to shoal us out from so miserable taking. And therefore let them be as looking-glasses unto us, to behold what a wretchedness it is for men to follow their own lusts. So little then ought the offending and sinning of a multitude to cover our faults, that we ought rather to take warning by them to withdraw ourselves, and to hold ourselves as it were fettered up under the fear and obedience of our God, seeing he showeth so special favour unto us, whereof the residue which abide still ignorant and unbelieving are deprived. Howbeit, for the better understanding of the whole, let us mark first that St. Paul hath showed us here what the state of all men in general is, until God hath drawn them to him. And he telleth us, there is not any cause at all why we should soothe ourselves in our virtues, insomuch that this only speech of his, where he saith that we be darkness, that is to say, that there is neither light, reason, nor any government in us, but rather that we be become stark beasts, ought well to make us all to cast down our eyes and to submit ourselves with humility. Indeed, many shall have some show of wisdom and be commended of the world as well-advised men, and as able not only to guide themselves in their whole life, but also to counsel and direct others. Yet notwithstanding, God avoweth that, instead of having right wisdom and reason, we be but brute beasts as in respect of him. Now, like as this saying warneth us to sigh and groan before God, 
so also doth it provoke us to seek the remedy that is necessary for the well-ruling of our life, that is, to suffer God to be our master and teacher by his word, as shall be declared more at length anon, and also to pray him that his Holy Spirit may so work in us, and that we may not be led with such overweening as to count ourselves wise in our own conceit and fancy. And so ye see in effect what we have to remember upon this strain, where St. Paul entitleth men by a reproachful name, saying that they be darkness, and that there is nothing but utter brutishness in them. And hereof I have treated already in the last chapter, where St. Paul showed that men discern nothing, nor go but to their destructions until such time as they be reformed. Now on the contrary part he saith light in the Lord, to show that all the wisdom which we have cometh of a supernatural grace, as they term it, that is to say, we have it not by inheritance, neither can we father it upon ourselves, but it is altogether of God's working, and we must be linked to our Lord Jesus Christ to be partakers of such a benefit. For it is not for naught that the Scripture saith that God's Spirit was given unto him to rest upon him with full perfection. Therefore let us learn to distrust ourselves, and to know that all that ever we can bring of our own will stand us in no stead, but to turn us from the way of salvation." and that we have no wisdom except it be given us of God's free goodness, to the intent to gather us unto him, and to make us members of our Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, who is our true light, as we shall see anon. To be short, it is all one as if St. Paul should say that by nature we be but only darkness in Adam, and that we be enlightened again in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I said afore, it is to the intent we should seek none excuse by alleging that we cannot put off our old skin, nor utterly forsake the things that are so printed in us, for those shifts are but trifling, and they will not pass in account before God. But contrarywise to the intent we should learn to examine well what we be, and what our state is, till God have redressed it, and to consider what we have of our own, namely that we bring nothing but cursedness with us from our mother's womb, and therewithal make the grace effectual which God hath given us, that it be not, as he would say, choked, through our unthankfulness and malice, but that we consider well to what end our Lord hath reached us his hand and showed himself so pitiful towards us, namely that, whereas we were plunged in darkness, it was his will to bring us again to light. And we be called light in the Lord not only because we have the word of his gospel, which is as a burning cresset to guide us by, but also because that he himself is as the spiritual day-sun, and doth therewithal enlighten us inwardly by God's Spirit, for we see by experience that men fare never a whit the better by having their ears beaten with the doctrine of truth, for one may take pain to teach them, and yet it shall be but lost labour. Therefore our Lord must be fain to make his sun shine, that is to say, like as he hath commanded and ordained his word to be preached unto us, so also must he give us eyes to enjoy the same light. For though the sun shine never so bright in the sky, yet should we find neither fruit nor profit by it, unless we have eyes which are as instruments to receive the light that comes from above. So must God be fain to give us spiritual eyesight, to conceive the things that are taught us by his word. Ye see then, that the means how we become light in the Lord is that on the one side God showeth us the way of salvation by the preaching of his word unto us, and therewithal giveth us a new spirit or mind to the intent we should not abide in the ignorance wherein all of us are by nature. And St. Paul uttereth his meaning yet better when he addeth that we should walk as children of the light. Now we see that here he not only praiseth and commendeth God's grace to stir us up to glorify him for it, as we be bound to do, but also therewith showeth the use of it. 
as if he should say, Beware in any wise that ye thrust not God's grace underfoot, nor make it unavailable unto you. For his calling of you to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ was to the intent ye should be wholly changed to be brought unto this light. For if we would have the sun, but only to stand idly gazing upon it like folk out of their wits, what a thing were that? We were better to have continual night. But the sun must serve us to apply ourselves to the business which we have to do, and to labour in getting of our living, every man according to his charge, office, and calling. Ye see then, that we should abuse the sun, which bringeth us so great benefit, if we should not every of us occupy ourselves in the things that we know to be our duty. Now St. Paul applieth this similitude to the spiritual day-sun, that is to wit, to the doctrine of the gospel, saying that it shineth, albeit not for us to give ourselves to idle speculations, but to the end we should set our hand to the plough, and every of us look wherewith he can and ought to do service, and thereupon make the light available that is offered him. Furthermore, St. Paul in one place calleth us light, and by and by he addeth children of light. Both of them come to one end. But yet is it not for naught that he termeth us light, for it serveth to express the better that God's grace is not only offered us, but also imprinted in us, so as we be after a sort new shaped by it. And it is not only here that he doth it, but also in the epistle to the Philippians. Now we have to mark first of all that that title belongeth properly to none but to our Lord Jesus Christ, according as he himself saith, I am the light of the world, he that walketh in me shall never stray. Ye see then that our Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient of himself alone to give us light, and that if we keep ourselves aloof from him we shall find nothing but darkness, neither in heaven nor in earth, nor in any creature else. For if we speak of God's majesty, it is above all the heavens. Yea, and the very angels have no light, but that which they borrow of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the cause why St. John Baptist is excluded from that honour when he saith that he was not the light, but that that dignity belongeth peculiarly to the Son of God, who enlighteneth all men that come into the world. Again, the apostles, and all such as preach God's truth, are also termed light in their degree, when, as it is said, ye be the light of the world. Not that they belongeth properly unto them, but because God serveth his own turn by them, when he delivereth them his word to guide others by, and to show them the way of salvation. Now if he that beareth a candle to light other men do reel and stumble, and stray here and there, what a thing is it? Therefore, inasmuch as God hath given us the charge to preach his word, we be warned to walk in such wise as every man might be edified by our life. And yet in the meanwhile, this is no derogation at all to the honour of our Lord Jesus Christ, for they that are enlightened by him must not thrust forth themselves to be fellow and fellow like with him. But he alone must continue the light still, and we enlighten one another, according to St. Paul's saying in the text that I alleged afore, where he saith thus to all the faithful, You be as lamps burning in this world, even by having the word of God. The light then, which the scripture allotteth, as well to the teachers as to them that are taught, is that all of us must have God's word, which must be as a candle set up aloft, and our lives must so rule thereby, as the unbelievers may be drawn to the faith and reformed, or else confounded and put to shame, when they see that our Lord's calling of us to profit in his school is not in vain. And so ye see in what sense St. Paul saith that we be light in the Lord, namely because God's word ought to be as a burning lamp unto us, not only to guide ourselves by, but also to show the way to all such as otherwise should go astray. Hereunto he addeth that we be children of light, to do us to understand that our light cometh from elsewhere than of ourselves, and that we borrow it of him that is the light of the world, as I have alleged before. 
according whereunto it is said that God is the Father of light, and so also doth the Scripture name him. Again, our Lord Jesus Christ is the true light whereby God appeared unto us, and whereby it is his will to enlighten us. Therefore are we the children of light, that is to say, we be so enlightened that God's light is in us, namely because we be members of our Lord Jesus Christ, as I said afore, and communicate with him, and he guideth us by the light of his gospel, and enlighteneth us also by his Holy Spirit. And forasmuch as our Lord worketh in us by faith, he dreepeth it into us by measure, as he himself thinketh good, as we have seen in the fourth chapter. Howsoever the case stand, let us esteem God's grace as it is worthy, and as it deserveth, and thereupon turn it to our own benefit, that it be not disappointed through our recklessness, but that we may walk, that is to say, consider whereto God hath called us, and every of us employ and enforce himself thereunto. Now hereupon St. Paul gives a warning that the fruit of this light is goodness, righteousness, and truth as if he should say that he speaks not hereafter the common fashion of men, but intendeth to bring us unto God, and to show us to what purpose it serveth us to be Christians, and which is the true use of the learning that we have by the gospel, and also how the power of the Holy Ghost ought to show itself in us, that is to wit, in the well-ordering of our life. For by these three words, goodness, righteousness, and holiness, he meaneth that we should not do anybody wrong, but endeavour to live uprightly and faithfully with our neighbours, and also be kind-hearted in having compassion one of another, to bear patiently one with another, and to succour one another as need shall require. True it is that there are other things requisite in a Christian man's life, but here St. Paul comprehendeth all under one kind, as if he should say, My friends, God is singularly gracious unto us in gathering us unto him, whereas we were strayed away into destruction, and that, whereas we were held in thraldom under the tyranny of the prince of the world, which is the devil, he hath set us free, and made us members of his only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lo, here an inestimable benefit, and now must we show to what end our Lord hath used so great mercy towards us. That, saith he, must be known by our life, even by walking one with another in all goodness, that is to say, that we be not cruel as dogs and cats, nor given to guile, craft, and malice, to deceive and wind one with another, but go on soundly and roundly in all things, and deal so uprightly, as every of us endeavour to yield his neighbour that which is his due, so as no man can be wedded to his own profit to grieve others. When our life is once ordered after this manner, then shall men perceive that we bear fruit in the light, and that the light also beareth fruit in us, that is to say, that the light which God hath given us is not idle, but like as God hath enlightened us, so we apply ourselves to do the things that he commandeth and appointeth. That is the cause why St. Paul speaketh of the fruit of righteousness, according to my former saying, where I told you that the sun giveth not light to the world, to the intent that every man should sit still with his arms folded one within another, or to the intent we should be as the fowls that fly in the air, but to serve our turn by guiding us in all our doings. That is the fruit and use of the sun. Therefore the gospel is not a fruitless thing, the working of it must show itself in our life, that is to wit, by being righteous, kind-hearted, and faithful. Now under those words, St. Paul hath comprised all things belonging to the two tables of the law, for, as I told you afore, charity serves not to make us forget what belongs to God's service, as though that were a thing of small weight, but it is the manner of the scriptures to send us back to our neighbours when it speaketh of the serving of God. For it is certain that if we love our neighbours as we ought to do, and live with them according to God's law, God shall always have his chief right. For until we be ruled under his awe, 
Every of us will love himself too much and desire to draw to himself and to glory in himself, and to be short there will be nothing in us but pride, vainglory, covetousness, cruelty, and all manner of deceit, until our Lord hath brought us under his yoke, and we bowed ourselves unto his abeyance, to honour him and serve him and to bless his holy name. And this shall be done when we yield men their duty, for that is a true trial and record that we fear God. And now to show us how we should live in the world, St. Paul setteth down these three things, namely goodness, that is to say kind-heartedness in having pity and compassion upon such as are in distress, to relieve their need, and to bear patiently with their infirmities. Thus much concerning the word goodness. Next, that is righteousness, which signifieth upright dealing, so as we take away no man's goods, nor go about to advantage ourselves by the hindrance of our neighbours, nor be given to pilling and polling, but to be short, be contented with whatsoever God giveth us, without raking of other men's goods or possessions unto us. Last of all is added truth, which is contrary to all crafty packing, and to all lewd practices whereby we labour to draw other men's goods to us. Then have we once these three things, it is certain that charity reigneth fully and perfectly in us. These are the things that we have to remember upon this strain. Will we then show that our training up in the gospel hath not been in vain, and that we have not forsaken the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Let us live uprightly and evenly among men. And again, let us be kind-hearted, both in bearing one with another's infirmities, and also in succouring them at their need. And finally, let us be faithful, that is to say, let us use no craft nor subtlety, but let us be soothfast, and whereinsoever we have to deal with others, let them not find us double." The thing, therefore, in effect, which we have to bear in mind, is that God's enlightening of us is to the end we should no more plunge ourselves in darkness, but that, when we have once taken light of him, we also should endeavour to give light to wretched unbelievers, which wander and reel and stumble, and are like to break their necks, because they be as silly beasts, and no marvel at all, for they have no light to guide themselves by. True it is, that that shall not excuse them, but that they shall always be guilty before God, for their ignorance is matched with malice. But what shall we, on our side, have to say for ourselves when we stray so away, seeing that God hath enlightened us by his word and Holy Spirit, and knit us to our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the day-son of righteousness, as I have declared already? Now hereupon St. Paul telleth us that we must try and examine what things please God, and this reacheth further than that which he hath said, for it showeth us which is the true rule, which, if we follow, we cannot do amiss, namely to frame ourselves according to God's will. And truly we know that the fear of him is not without cause called the true wisdom, for whereof cometh it that men overshoot themselves into all evil, but because they forget God and bury the remembrance of his name and majesty. For they that have God in their minds shall ever be restrained, as it were, with a bridle, Although their flesh tempt them to evil, yet will they resist and consider that, as long as they live in this world, they must spend their life in his service that gave it them. Then, if our minds be upon God, surely it will arm us and give us strength against all temptations. And St. Paul saith here that we must examine well what things please him, wherein he wakeneth up our recklessness. For in the foresaid despising of God which I spake of, there are two things. The one is that men fall asleep in soothing themselves, and think not that ever they shall come to account, and thereupon do rest so soundly, as if it were in us to make good or evil. And afterward they fall outrageously to flinging themselves at all adventure against God. Therefore it is not enough for us not to fight willfully against God, nor to play the wild beasts or the mad bulls, which push every way with their horns. 
that is not enough, but we must be watchful in inquiring thoroughly what is lawful for us, that we may discern between the things that God permitteth and the things that he disalloweth. To be short, the first thing that St. Paul showeth us here is that our life shall never be well ordered until it be wholly conformable to God's will. Mark that for one point. Secondly, as I have told you, we must not think that God forgiveth our carelessness when we do, as it were, willfully shut our eyes and are contented to go astray without taking any great heed, but that it behoveth us to stand upon our guard and to seek diligently what God alloweth. Those are the two points which we have to mark. As touching the first point, we see how men have always taken leave in all ages to follow their own inventions, as they term them. And, soothly, it hath ever been a common proverb that the intent judgeth men, and it is very true in part, but men have misexpounded it and misconstrued it. For under that pretense every man hath imagined that he should be cleared before God and be taken for righteous, so he had no intent to offend. After that manner do the hypocrites wean themselves to do well, and when they have invented a sort of follies and superstitions, they bear themselves on hand that God ought to take all in good worth, because they wean them to be good. But God deals not according to our imagination. We see then that men did foully beguile themselves in imagining that it was enough for them to have a good intent or meaning, as they term it. And even, therefore, is there nothing but hellish confusion in popery, because they have forsaken God's word, and regarded not what he bade or forbade, but took leave to do some this thing and some that, as it came in every man's fancy, and all under colour that men are to be judged by their intent. True it is, as I said afore, that the intent judgeth men in some respect. For although we do the most commendable work that can be devised, yet shall we not fail to be condemned at God's hand, if it be not done to the right end. If our honest dealing be but in outward appearance, to get report that we be the honestest men in the world, and in the meanwhile all our virtuousness is but dung and filth within, it is but a show of honesty. And why? Because our intent is lewd and crooked. But yet for all this, as I said afore, we must not take heed to do whatsoever our own brain teacheth us, for our chief wisdom is to seek what God's will is, according whereunto St. Paul saith, it is our reasonable service which God commandeth us, and wherein our obedience shall be well allowed. But if we will needs do all upon our own head, God will reject it all, for that is not reasonable, it is but trash and trumpery of Satan. Wherefore let us mark well what is told us here, that is to wit, that we must not seek any difference between good and evil, than by weighing it in God's balance, and not in our own, to say, it seemeth to me, I think it to be good, and I will take some taste of it. Let us beware, I say, of bringing such rashness with us, and let us be as little children that are newly weaned from the teat. Let us learn of God, and suffer ourselves to be guided and governed wholly by Him. Ye see then that humility is the beginning to serve God well, when, as we be not puffed up and carried away with overweening, nor so rash as to say, I ween so, I think so, but contrariwise, to think thus, is this of God? Hath he spoken it by this word? Although it seemed to be the best and excellentest thing in the world, yet notwithstanding, I would not fail to refuse it, if it be forbidden of God. And that is the cause why it is expressly said, Thou shalt not do the thing that seemeth good in thine own eyes. And for the same cause are we forbidden to be wise in our own conceits. Only let us assure ourselves that to be taught of God is the infallible wisdom. But as soon as we step aside from that which he showeth us, we be but wanderers, though we were the wisest to outward show, and the best esteemed in the world. To be short, we see how all that ever men can bring of their own will stand them in no stead, but only to condemn them. And why? 
There is nothing that can guide us but only God's will. It is the only rule whereby we may say, This is naught worth, or this is good. Now, seeing that the devil hath gone about to bereave us of such a benefit, it behoveth us so much the more to stand upon our guard, that is to say, to be heedful and to apply all our wits thoroughly to the seeking out of God's will. We be careful enough for our temporal profit, for men never lightly take a thing in hand without forecasting well what may ensue. Oh, say they, behold, I cast myself into such a danger. Again, this will serve my turn that way, or else this may hinder me or hurt me. Now then, we be heedful enough in seeking the things that belong to this flightful life, but in the meanwhile we step forth at all adventure in serving God. And although we pretend great zeal in seeking the heavenly life, yet we show thereby that we make none account of it, and that all that ever we do is but for fashion's sake, and as it were task-work. Therefore let us mark well that men shall not be so sore condemned when their rebelling against God is not willfully and of set purpose, as when they harden themselves in their frowardness. True it is that men shall do some things without looking nearly to them, but yet they must look whether God like of them or no. The thing wherein we must be wisest and best advised is not to make our own profit after the manner of the world, which counteth the wiliest folk wisest, but to get us spiritual discretion to know what things God alloweth, and to follow the same. Now hereupon he addeth also that we must not have to do with the fruitless works of darkness, but rather rebuke them. This is not added without great reason, for although we be well disposed to frame our life according to God's word, yet shall we be shouldered from it, if we learn not to resist all temptations. Truly, although we saw no vices about us to withdraw our obedience from God, yet have we such store of vices already in us, that we must needs have profited very well in God's school before we can be disposed to submit ourselves in true obedience, and to say, Lord, reign thou over us, and let thine only will be our rule. But yet, let us put the case that we were come so far forth as to feel no resistance nor gainsaying in ourselves, but that we could so subdue all our affections that they might after a sort be ruly, yet notwithstanding the devil never ceaseth to assail us on all sides, one while by light bickerings, and another by undermining, and another while by giving alarms and open assaults, so as he will soon overwhelm us, except we be well fortified, and God have given us invincible power to withstand all his policies. That is the cause why St. Paul addeth that we should not have to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, as if he should say, My friends, I know well that the uneasiness of going unto God in this world will be as a block to keep you back from doing of your duty. And although ye know that God ought to have the mastery, and that we ought to be under his subjection, yet notwithstanding when ye be conversant with the despisers of God and with unholy persons, it is very hard for you to walk uncorruptly. For look how many vices reign, so many infections are there to attain to you, and it is very hard for you to escape unperverted like as it cannot be, but that we must feel some prickings when we walk among thorns. For as much then, as there is such abundance of corruptions throughout the whole world, as a man can scarcely remove one foot, but he shall stumble upon some evil or other, it standeth us on hand to have great strength to maintain us unimpeached in the serving of God, or else we must be utterly turned away from his obedience. But what for that? There is no excuse for us, saith St. Paul, it will not boot us to allege, Alas, what shall I do, I that am a poor, frail creature? If God had set me alone by myself, I could serve him the better, but I am here among so many vices that I must needs do as other men do. 
for some pill and some pole, some are whoremongers, some are drunkards, and some swearers, and finally I see so much wickedness that it maketh my heart to quake, and seeing I am hemmed in with all these things, what can I do in such extremity? We will allege all this gear, say I, but it is in vain. Wherefore, let us learn to prepare ourselves in such wise to the serving of God as we may stand obediently in battle array to resist all temptations. It is true that we shall have much ado to bring it to pass, but yet will God be strongest, so we pray him to govern us with his Holy Spirit, and that government serveth not only to subdue us to his dominion, but also to give us victory against all the things that Satan practiseth to overthrow us. You see then that if we call upon God and put ourselves to his guiding, it is certain that we shall have enough to make us keep on our way, notwithstanding that this world be full of wicked stops to thrust us out of the way. The thing, then, which we have to remember upon this strain is that besides the good mind, which we must have to submit ourselves unto God, and besides the lowliness to accept and receive whatsoever God commandeth us, and to frame our whole life thereafter, we must also be armed to fight against all the assaults that Satan maketh against us, and though we see the whole world set upon naughtiness, we must not think that that may serve to diminish our fault before God, but consider that it is his will to exercise us after that fashion. Yet notwithstanding, if we call upon him and put our whole trust in the working of his Holy Spirit, surely we shall obtain victory against all that ever Satan can trump in our ways. And so you see how we may overcome all things that hinder our serving of God. Finally, St. Paul, following still the similitude which he brought in afore, telleth us that we must not have to do with the works of darkness, as if he should say that we must be separated from the unbelievers, and that when we live at all adventure, as though God had not wrought in us, and as though his word had done us no good at all, it is as much as if we trampled Jesus Christ under our feet, abolished the fruit of his death and passion, and defiled his blood, which is the fountain of all holiness. Since it is so, let us look to retire out of darkness, and not to have to do with it in any wise. And his calling of them by the name of fruitless works is to show us that when we be so mingled with the unbelievers, worldlings, and despisers of God, we shall receive but a poor reward, which shall yield us no fruit at all. What gain we, then, by taking leave to do evil under colour that the most part of the world is given to wickedness? Nothing, for all of them must reap the reward of everlasting death, for follow one another after that fashion. Now then, let us look nearer to ourselves, for when men pardon themselves so lightly that they seek nothing else but to keep themselves fast fettered under the subjection their father Satan, and to cast themselves as it were into the bottom of hell, alas, is it not a wretched liberty? St. Paul therefore telleth us expressly that we ought so little to intermeddle ourselves with the corruptions of the world, that we should rather endeavour to amend those which take such liberty to do evil, that they utterly overthrow themselves, and that both we and they ought to be so held in obedience to our God, as his word and Holy Spirit may serve us as an invincible power to fight against all assaults, and that we may be so armed and furnished therewith, as it may be unto us both a helmet, and a breastplate, and a harness, and a sword, as we shall see hereafter. And let us beware to walk so in this world, as we may serve our God with true constancy, and not be turned from him for any troubles, impediments, lets, or stops that can be laid in our way. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to touch us with such repentance, as we may be sorry for them, and rid them away more and more, to the strengthening of us in his fear, and in the keeping of his holy commandments, and the mean season he bear with our infirmities until we be quiet and clean rid of them, 
and make us to profit from day to day in the doctrine, that is to wit, in the remission of our sins, until we come to the perfection of his righteousness and glory. And so let us all say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father. End of Sermon 35